Mars 2194, Episode 3, Desert Rangers By Jack Stornoway Copyright 2016 Jack Stornoway The second Gabriel Esparza saw the riders in the chasma below, his heart rate increased, knowing what was about to happen. That had to be Ferdinand Fuyog riding the green Italica bike, surrounded by the three other bikes. Gabriel twisted the throttle on his green Italica and the air bike lurched forward over the edge of the chasma wall, and down towards Ferdinand at near freefall. The chasma was over 5 kilometers deep, and the walls were almost vertical the first 2 kilometers before slanting down to the small lakes at the center of the chasma. A few minutes later Gabriel was pulling up next to Ferdinand. The other three riders had seen him coming and converged in front of Ferdinand. As Gabriel pulled up next to Ferdinand he recognized Elias Medina, and the man looked annoyed to see Gabriel show up. Okay hombres, Gabriel shouted over the sound of the bike's turbofans. Vamos. The situation changed radically when Gabriel arrived, and Elias Medina's expression showed his uncertainty. The odds were still on his side, but Gabriel was a good shot, and Elias couldn't risk a witness surviving to inform the sheriff. If they pulled their guns, Ferdinand shouted to Gabriel loud enough for everyone to hear, I want to shoot Elias. Elias' face jolted up towards Ferdinand, but he hesitated pulling his gun. He'd seen Ferdinand shoot a man in Rotterdam a tweaked-out Sudamerican junkie who'd lost his mind and went on a shooting spree. Ferdinand was a good shot and didn't flinch, the signs of a former soldier. Elias had never seen Gabriel Esparza in a gunfight, but the foreman of the Nueva Syrian crew had a reputation in Icus region dating back to the war, long before he moved to Nueva Syria and somehow became the head of the Desert Rangers. The rumor was he'd been a Sudamerican army sniper that had defected to the eco-revolutionaries after being sent to take out their leadership. Your rangers overstepping his authority as Parza. Elias shouted over the sound of the turbofans. He ordered us out of the Lakelands. Why are you here? Gabriel Esparza demanded. The rider to Elias' right seemed to realize her position was precarious and started backing away from Gabriel. Stay where you are, Gabriel barked, or I'll shoot your bike out from under you. She stopped her retreat and Elias shouted back at Gabriel, she can ride anywhere she wants. No she can't. Gabriel wasn't going to back down. If he hadn't come along Ferdinand could already been dead. You're not rangers, and you're not working for any of the biotics companies. You have no business in the Lakelands. We're working here, and we don't like poachers. Largarse. Elias' hands began trembled he was so angry, this isn't going to end well, Gabriel. This can go down any time you want, Gabriel answered quickly. Want to do this now? Elias Medina wasn't used to backing down but he didn't think he could win this one. He didn't usually have to deal with men like Gabriel Esparza and Ferdinand Afu Yog. All right, we'll leave. Elias shouted suddenly, and then turned his bike and flew off, with both his people following quickly. The two rangers watched until they were almost out of sight then Ferdinand asked, want me to follow them? No, Gabriel decided. Let's head back. We're running out of time. You showed up at the right time, Ferdinand glanced over at Gabriel with a grin. A few more minutes and I would have had to kill them. They were here to kill you, Gabriel agreed. I don't get it. Had trouble with them before? Not until I ordered them out of the Lakelands, Ferdinand answered equally confused. There's something strange about that group. Doesn't make sense to pick a fight with a group of rangers. They rode away, heading east back to the base camp. The base camp wasn't very large, just a few airship gondolas with their hydrogen envelopes folded down, and an odd collection of airbikes and autogyros all painted the same shade of forest green. 
When Gabriel and Ferdinand arrived at the campsite they paused at the edge of the patch of green plants, with their white and yellow flowers. Gabriel adjusted his respirator mask, looking down at the patch of flowering plants growing around the temporarily thawed lake in front of them. When the new Assyrian government had bought the plants from Mariola Biotics Unlimited, it looked like a windfall. Long ago Gabriel had fought alongside the owner of the company Cecilia Areola. That was long before the new Assyrian government had decided to set up the Desert Rangers, and hired Gabriel to lead them. In all the years he'd known her, Cecilia had seemed honest and reliable, so when she showed Gabriel her records claiming over 50,000 plants, Gabriel had vouched for her with the new Assyrian terraforming office. The price was reasonable, but now the number of plants was coming up far below 50,000, and Gabriel couldn't understand it. He couldn't believe that Cecilia's count was fraudulent, it wasn't in her nature. The count's short isn't it? Ferdinand asked. He knew Gabriel was worried. You think Medina knows anything about that? How could he? Our people are doing the count. Medina hasn't even been in the Lakelands until today, Gabriel answered. His vouching for Cecilia had allowed the Nueva Syrian terraforming office to move forward with the purchase before the audit, and begin transplanting the plants to the Noctis Labyrinthus before the end of the three-month thawed period. If the plants didn't take in their new home before the beginning of the 18-month frozen period the investment would be a waste. Now the count was off, and it could cost Gabriel more than his job. The project to transplant some of the plants from the Hebes Chasma to the Noctis Labyrinthus was controversial enough. Only one plant species was known to grow in the thin freezing Martian atmosphere, the Ranunculus glacialis from Greenland. It only grew in a few locations around the equator at the bottom of the chasmas, where the atmosphere was thick enough to trap sufficient heat that the frozen lakes were able to thaw for a few months each year. There were no lakes or plants in the Noctis Labyrinthus, but during the last thawed period in the lakelands, prospectors in the Noctis Labyrinthus found a stream of liquid water. That was 19 months earlier and the debate had raged in the new Assyrian Senate for most of that time. The government of Akas region wasn't excited about loosing the plants, however their attempt to block the sale was vetoed by the Confederate Senate, who didn't want the regional governments interfering with the global terraforming mission. Now tens of thousands of the plants were missing, and someone would end up being held accountable. Gabriel was feeling the weight coming down on him. Ruloff van den Andel and Hai Ruan looked up as Gabriel and Ferdinand rode into the base camp. Ruloff was from Hebe's Chasma, a pale-skinned descendant of one of the old mining families that had been in the Chasma since the corporate era. Hairuan was born in Nueva Syria, also a descendant of miners from the corporate era in the old Chinese colony in Arsiamans. She had been recruited to the Nueva Syrian Desert Rangers by Ferdinand, who had fought beside her in the war. Ferdinand was also born in Nueva Syria, at the old Filipino mining colony in Noctis Labyrinthus. The two mining colonies had ended up in the Sudamerican colonial zone after the Mars Treaty, and Sudamerica united them into the colony of Nueva Syria, named after the Syria Planum. The deep Hebes Chasma and the vast but shallow Acus Chasma to the north of it had fallen under the Sudamericans as well, who established their own colony in Acus, and placed the old Dutch mining colony in Hebes under Acus authority. Nueva Syria and Acus were two of the five Sudamerican colonies to revolt from Bogota's authority during the war, to become part of the Aryan Confederacy. To the north the rest of Sudamerica's colonies remain firmly under Bogota's control. What did you find? Gabriel asked after landing at the base camp. 4,000 in that last patch, Ruloff answered. Any unmarked plants? Ferdinand asked. Not one, Ruan answered. That's strange, Ferdinand observed. There should still be first-generation plants growing in the chasma. The biotics companies could have pulled them up to use their locations for seedlings, Ruan suggested. 
they would have been in the best locations to place their own plants. Still, there should be some unmarked plants, further unmused. Still there should be 50,000 plants with areolas biomarker in them, Gabriel interjected. What are we at? We're still short 15,000, Ruan answered. Is that Nibanu Puti Biotics guy still around? Gabriel asked. Ashok? No, he went back to Rotterdam a few hours ago, Ruloff answered. Said he had some business. Nibanupudi Biotics Unlimited was the chief competitor of Areola Biotics Unlimited. Around a dozen companies owned plants in the Casma, Areola and Nibanupudi were the two biggest. Since the second year of planting, each company's plants were genetically modified with hereditary markers that allowed the Eshusian Desert Rangers to audit the Lakeland biota. The biomarkers were registered with the government of Acus region in Nueva Buenos Aires, the regional capital. The companies were paid by the Confederacy for each plant they owned that successfully flowered at the end of the thawed period. Ashok Nibanupudi had visited the Nueva Syrian Desert Rangers every day since they'd arrived in the Kasma. Most of the other companies hadn't bothered to send observers. Ashok Nibanupudi lived in Rotterdam, the closest town, so he rode out regularly to check no one was disturbing his plants. Ashok's never here for more than an hour, Ruan stated. I think we chose the wrong job, Ferdran smirked. I wouldn't mind working just an hour a day. His people do enough, Gabriel observed. They own a lot of the plants growing out here. Did you guys find any plants belonging to Ariola in that bog out west? I couldn't get close enough to scan some of them, Ferdran answered. That bog is really treacherous. But only about 10 to 20. 10 to 20 plants aren't important enough to risk your life, Gabriel stated. We need to find thousands. I've been thinking about Ashok, Ferdaran said thoughtfully. He comes out here for an hour or so every day, as if he's checking up on us. Then he says he's heading back to Rotterdam, but you rarely see him there, and Rotterdam isn't that big. Maybe he just works in his office, Ruan suggested. This job doesn't require much office work, Ruloff dismissed the idea. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It's none of our business, Gabriel dismissed the question, wandering off towards a patch of plants that had already been worked. More than half the plants were still in the ground, divided by small holes where Areola's plants had been dug up. In a few hours Gabriel would be riding to Rotterdam, where he'd have to explain to Faratip that the number of plants was going to be considerably smaller than expected. He stood there glaring at the plants, and tried to remember if there were any other bodies of water they had somehow missed. Hugo. Although Racion, Filbert, and Jessica were still out there checking the eastern lakes. Maybe they'd find something. Headed into Rotterdam? Ruloff asked as Gabriel climbed onto his bike. Yeah, I have to tell Farah the count's short, Gabriel answered. I'll ride along, Ferdinand offered, climbing on his bike. In case we encounter something interesting. Gabriel grinned. Few men he'd worked with were as understated as Ferdinand Fu Yog. The ranger was an expert survivalist. He could be dropped anywhere on the planet and survive, but what he really liked was a good fight. Gabriel knew Ferdinand was heading to Rotterdam to find Elias Medina. We don't want any trouble, Gabriel ordered. You know how far it is. Ferdinand glanced at Gabriel. Think this'll blow back on her? Gabriel stared ahead stoically. How couldn't it? It's her project, and she's the one who recommended me to head up the Rangers. Yeah, it doesn't look good, Ferdinand agreed. You ever think that maybe Ariola faked their records? They do get paid per plant. Gabriel considered the question for a couple seconds before answering. It was something he didn't like to think about. The Ashusian Desert Rangers audited over 45,000 Ariola plants last season. I can't see how there could be over 10,000 less this year. 
Ferdinand wasn't quick to respond either, he hadn't thought about the blowback on the Eshusian Desert Rangers. I hadn't considered that, he finally stated. The meaning was clear enough to both of them. Gabriel had been an Eshusian Desert Ranger last season, and now he was responsible for a purchase that ended up falling short by 15,000 plans. To someone that didn't know him, it could look like a scam. He could be charged with capitalism, one of the few crimes in the Confederacy that warranted the death penalty. Faratib was waiting for Gabriel in the lobby of the hotel when he got to Rotterdam. She smiled when he joined her, but he solemnly pointed to the bar without a word. Rotterdam was a small colony of a few thousand people, in the northern lowlands of the Hebes Chasma. It had started as a European Space Agency research outpost, that had become an Axomars mining colony after the discovery of a protactinium-rich uranium deposit. The colony had languished under Sud-American rule after the Mars Treaty, resulting in a large independence faction that had been in revolt for almost a decade before the war that had created the Ares Confederacy. The core of the colony was a pressurized dome that had been erected by the ESA. It was only one kilometer across, but had a small park in the center that had become the heart of the town. Around the park the ESA engineers had built a ring of dorms and labs that had become offices and shops during the corporate era. The ESA had also pioneered farming on Mars, with a large complex of greenhouses that had once grown a number of fruits and vegetables, along with chickens and rabbits. Most of the species hadn't survived the corporate era, and now the greenhouses only produced tomatoes chilies cucumbers and apples. Everything else eaten in Rotterdam was imported. Apartment buildings and processing facilities had been built up around the dome during the corporate era, all connected via pressurized catwalks, so once inside people could move around without respirator masks. Gabriel and Ferdinand had parked their green italicas in the garage that Nueva Syria had leased for the mission, and then headed into the dome to where the Le Berger Mars Hotel was located. The Le Berger Mars bar was built on a deck overlooking the park and above them the sky was darkening beyond the plexiglass dome. Gabriel and Farah sat down at a table overlooking the park, Gabriel ordered a colbado, Farah ordered a hot apple cider. Then Gabriel looked at Farah somberly. The count is short. How short? Farah asked realizing it couldn't be a small number. About 15,000, Gabriel answered. Around them the bar was noisy, but for them the entire universe was suddenly silent. They were both contemplating the ramification. Far was heading up the new Avisirian terraforming office, and therefore Gabriel's boss. She was also his wife, and the main reason the NSTO had hired ex-military to serve as rangers instead of environmental scientists. Far was an environmental scientist, a planetary engineer from East Africa who had defected to the Aryan Confederacy right after the war in order to be part of the eco-revolutionaries' promise to terraform Mars. Far and Gabriel had met in Icus, an unlikely couple of Earthborns in a post-independence region of Mars. Gabriel was a Sudamerican from Mexico with coffee-colored skin, and Farah was from East Africa with even darker skin. They stood out, the shades of their skin were too brown. After a generation or two on Mars, the original shades of human skin had faded into grayer tones, as no one ever went outside without being fully clothed. Most of the Earthborn had left or been killed during the war. Afterwards the Marsborn had briefly become highly xenophobic, especially those that hadn't fought. For two years Gabriel had worn his uniform whenever he went out in public so people would know which side he'd served on. When they met, Far had almost given up on her dream of being a terraformer as she just couldn't take the xenophobia, and was trying to figure out how to get back to Earth from the embargoed Ares Confederacy. When he found out she was an environmental scientist he called a friend in the Eshusian government who hired her to work in the terraforming office they were setting up. The xenophobic wave had passed by the time the Nueva Syrian government had decided to set up their own terraforming office, and they hired Farah to head it up. 
she had recommended the ex-military personnel for the Nueva Syrian Desert Rangers because she'd found them far more reliable than the scientists they'd sent out. She also recommended Gabriel to head up the Ranger Group. Now their first project was hitting a major roadblock, one that smacked of capitalism. I was afraid of something like that, she finally said. I'm reasonably sure some of the Rangers were taking bribes. Cecilia's not the type that would pay a bribe, Gabriel replied. She's both too honest, and too cheap. I'm having a hard time believing Cecilia could have been involved. Speak of the devil, Farah stated nodding her head towards Cecilia who had just entered the bar and was heading to their table. Following her were four of her crew, led by her foreman Ali Rodriguez. All of her crew were former military, mostly Sud-American troops that had been left behind when the region fell to the eco-revolutionaries. Most of the Earth-born troops that survived the war had nothing to return to on Earth, and limited skills beyond combat. Few could find employment, and crime had run rampant throughout the former Earth colonies for years, fueling the xenophobia that had briefly engulfed the Confederacy. Cecilia had fought for the eco-revolutionaries during the war, but didn't discriminate which soldiers she hired. Esparza. Cecilia's voice echoed across the room, and the other patrons began vacating the bar. I've heard you claiming our numbers are off. You think I'm a capitalist? As Gabriel Esparza carefully got to his feet, Ferdinand Fuyog entered the bar and started quietly towards the Areola crew. The numbers are off Cecilia, but I didn't say you were involved, Gabriel replied calmly. No, that's bullshit boss. Ali Rodriguez sneered from behind Cecilia. I wasn't talking to your bitch Cecilia, and it isn't bullshit. I've known you too long to accuse you of something like this, Gabriel continued calmly. You sold us over 50,000 plants. I accepted your numbers without question, and vouched for them, and also you, to the NSTO. Cecilia stared at him, waiting for him to get to the point, and then after a few seconds demanded, what's the problem? We've only found around 35,000 plants with your biomarker, Gabriel reported. 35,000? Cecilia stared speechless for a few seconds. You the puto. If you only found 35,000 plants, it's because you hid the other 15,000. Gabriel wasn't expecting that response, it wasn't rational. There was no reason for Gabriel to under-report the number, let alone hide the plants. He didn't know whether to be angry at the suggestion, or to laugh. He decided to remain calm, and stated, We need 50,000 plants Cecilia. He's trying to jam you up Cecilia, Ali declared. Let me take care of this maricone for you. I wouldn't do anything stupid. Ferdinand said from behind the Cecilia crew. He had his pistol pointed at Ali. Of course, I'm smarter than you are so, we'll see if you do something stupid. Ferdinand. Back down, Gabriel barked and then turned to Ali. And you need to shut up before you get a bunch of people killed. Cecilia's anger left her as she realized that things were about to go sideways. Faratib was there, a government scientist that didn't carry a gun. If she got shot there would be no way anyone could claim self-defense. Shut up Ali. Ariola ordered. Sorry Gabriel, this is getting out of hand. But you know me, I never stole anything from anyone, you know that better than anybody. Ms. Ariola, Far interjected quietly. Just before you came in Gabriel was saying that you couldn't be responsible for the discrepancy. Cecilia paused considering and then decided to take a different approach. She pulled a chair over from the next table and sat down, I guess I overreacted then. The idea that you were accusing me of capitalism really pissed me off. Let's move on then, Gabriel suggested and then looked over to Ferdinand. We don't want any trouble here, do we? I agree, Cecilia turned to her crew. You guys take off, I'll handle this from here. As the Areola crew left the table, 
patrons began to return, and with them came Ashok Nibanu Pudi, the owner of Nibanu Pudi Biotics Unlimited. Ashok was Mars-born, his ancestors were colonial-era miners in the old Indian colony on Pavonis Mons. His family had been hydroponic engineers for more than a century, so when Ranunculus Glacialis was proven to grow outside, Ashok moved to Hebe's Kazma to found a biotics company. In the past six years it had grown into one of the largest biotics companies in the Kazma, owning tens of thousands of plants and employing dozens of staff. Hello Ms. Tib. Ashok interjected himself into their conversation at the table. The NSTO office suggested I might meet you here. Could I have a few minutes of your time? Gabriel looked up at Ashok and was surprised to see him dressed in a business suit. Gabriel had only seen Ashok in a dust-covered still suit before. Why yes Mr. Nibanu Pudi, just one minute please, Far turned quickly back to Gabriel and Cecilia. Do you think you can find a solution to this without me here? We can give it a shot, Gabriel said. Sure, Cecilia agreed. She pulled her cough from her pocket and projected a map of the chasma above the table. Let's figure out where the plants are. Where did you find your plants? Gabriel and Cecilia compared their numbers for a few hours but were not able to find any large unaudited patches. All of the numbers in Gabriel's audit were smaller than the numbers reported in the areola records. In each patch of plants areola claimed there were more plants than the new Avisarian rangers had found. The numbers looked inflated, yet Gabriel still couldn't bring himself to believe that Cecilia was providing false numbers. Eventually Cecilia gave up and left. The sky was dark overhead, and far-off stars shone as blurry splotches of light in the plexiglass dome. Most of the patrons had left the bar. Near the far end of the bar Ali Rodriguez and the Areola crew were still at a table. Across the bar Ferdinand sat at a table, watching. He was playing a game on the tabletop holographic display, but kept glancing up at Ali's crew. After Cecilia had left, Gabriel walked over and joined Ferdinand. On the tabletop holographic display Ferdinand was playing one of those games with sword fighting and magic carpets. He nodded to Ali as Gabriel sat down. Rodriguez has a lot of credit. He's been buying drinks for the whole table all night. As they spoke Elias Medina entered the bar, along with Justine Alfs, and Shadima Anyakor, the two people that were with him earlier in the Chasma. Justine averted her eyes from Gabriel and Ferdinand. At least one of the three was willing to leave well enough alone. The three walked over to the Areola crew and joined their table. It was the first time Gabriel realized Elias and Ali knew each other. He wondered when they'd met. Both were Earthborn Sudamericans. They could have served together in the war. Let's head out, Gabriel suggested to Ferdinand. We've got a lot to do tomorrow. They got up to leave, and walked past Farah and Ashok, who appeared to be discussing the sale of Nibanu Pudi's plants to the NSTO. That was odd, as far as Gabriel knew the NSTO wasn't looking to buy any additional plants. Even the Aryan Senate wouldn't let them buy Nibanu Pudi's plants, it would mean they'd be taking most of the plants in the Chasma. Maybe they were discussing a purchase for next season. There was too much that didn't add up, Elias' unemployed crew ambushing Ferdinand, the missing plants, Ali having a lot of credit, and Ashok offering his plants for sale. They walked back to the garage silently. Around them the town was quiet. The shops were closed, the lights dimmed. Gabriel had something to ask Ferdinand, but not in public, he waited until they got to the garage. Ferdinand, have you done a count of the plants with other companies' biomarkers? Ferdinand looked over half awake. No why would I? We're not buying them. There must be at least a hundred thousand plants in the Chasma belonging to Nibanu Pudi, Christian, Napoleon, Zachariah, Isaac, Kavanaugh and the rest. That's a lot of plants. Gabriel wondered if any of those other companies had 15,000 more plants than audited, 
It was almost noon the next day when Gabriel joined the Ranger Group. Gabriel had been checking the audit numbers of the other company's plants. The Rangers had been scanning the plant patches in order to determine which plants belonged to Areola Biotics, and then collecting the Areola plants. The total number of plants scanned was close to the number expected from the Eshusian Desert Rangers audit last season. It would be another month before the Eshusian Desert Rangers started this year's audit, but the Nueva Desert Rangers had effectively conducted their own audit by scanning the patches looking for Areola's plants. The problem was the numbers for the other company's plants looked right, none of them had an extra 15,000 plants. Gabriel was frustrated, he had been in one of the airship's gondolas working at a desk, which he didn't enjoy. It would have been alright if he found the missing plants, but that wasn't the case. He had been up late considering the possibilities. He hadn't got much sleep, and was frustrated as he heard the rangers enter the airship. They were coming in for lunch. Further on, Rulof, Otho Racion, and Jessica had just entered the airship, the others would be along soon. Gabriel met them in the cafeteria, where they were taking hot meals from the vending machine. Gabriel sat down across from Jessica and asked, Jessica. What time did you get in last night? Jessica hesitated. Around midnight. Jessica was an Earthborn former Canadian. Gabriel had only known her since she was hired a couple months earlier. He knew she had been the Canadian Army during the war, but that wasn't something he could hold against her given his own war record. Midnight? Ruloff looked at her in surprise. I'd hardly call 3 a.m. midnight. You woke me up. I saw you come back about 3 a.m. Gabriel stated, the rest of the Rangers were silent. I know I saw you here at 11 p.m., so where did you go for four hours? I just went out for a walk, Jessica's eyes shifted around the room. I couldn't sleep. Me neither, Gabriel stated candidly. So I went for a walk. Which was when I saw you return on one of the Italicas. You're meeting with someone. Ruloff snapped. Who do you know in the Casma? Four hours was more than enough time to ride out to the worksite we worked this morning, work it and come back. Further on stated and drew his pistol, pointing it at Jessica. You've been injecting the plants with a masking agent? What about it Jessica? Gabriel looked the Canadian in the face, and she suddenly looked sick. Jessica, who are you working for? Tell me and I'll let you go, otherwise I'm arresting you on suspicion of capitalism. Let's just arrest her. Otho Racion said and pulled out her own pistol. We can't trust anything she says. Shut up. Gabriel snapped. You're her partner. You haven't noticed anything? That doesn't seem likely. Although Racion suddenly turned raising her gun towards Gabriel. Oh, you think so you puto? I'll kill, her sentence ended as Ruloff cut a hole through her heart with his pistol. The laser beam cut a holes through the airship's fuselage behind Jessica, and air started blowing out through the hole. Stop. Gabriel yelled, but it was too late, Jessica was lifting her pistol from her holster. Gabriel reached for his own pistol but Ferdinand burned a hole through Jessica before Gabriel got his gun from its holster. Then there were two holes in the fuselage. Ruloff and Ferdinand ran to plug the holes with the emergency repair kit while Gabriel checked the bodies for signs of life. There was none, this isn't what he'd wanted. I think we should skip the rest of today's worksite, and head out to tomorrow's worksite, Ruloff suggested a half an hour later, after the holes were permanently patched. If she was injecting a masking agent, then she might not have gotten to tomorrow's patch. We're not involved in whatever they were doing, Felbert said. You can ask Cecilia Areola. I worked for her for years before joining the NSDR. Gabriel glanced around at the rangers, who were now all in the cafeteria. The bodies of the two dead rangers had been dragged outside. Has anybody seen them meeting with anyone in the Kesma? Anybody know who they met in Rotterdam? 
Filbert hesitated and then answered, Jessica worked for Areola Biotics a few years ago, when I was still there. Ali Rodriguez is the only one still working there from back then. They were lovers back then, but she also was involved with Chadima Anyakor. Chadima used to work for Areola for a while, I don't know where she works now, but I've seen her riding with Elias Medina. That makes sense, Ferdinand stated. They're all working for the same company. How are we going to figure out which one? Gabriel Esparza hesitated. Figuring out who they were working for was one thing, but finding the plants came first. We can't focus on that right now. We have to find the plants. What do you want to do with the bodies? Ruloff inquired. Should we call the sheriff's office? No, Gabriel answered. Leave them outside. We can call the sheriff in a few days. We have the video recording from the cafeteria as well as witnesses. It's better whoever they're working with doesn't know they're dead. Ashok hasn't been out yet today, Ferdinand observed. He might come by this afternoon if he doesn't go out to the worksite. Right, make sure to cover the bodies, Gabriel turned to Ruloff. I like your idea about skipping to tomorrow's worksite, but with them neutralized there's no reason to skip ahead. We'll see what we find there tomorrow. Today we'll finish up the worksite we've already started. Tonight we'll post a guard by tomorrow's worksite. If anybody else goes out there I want to know. The day drew on, windy and dusty. Gabriel nervously watched the sky. There was a massive storm to the south, and Gabriel was concerned it could spread to the north. Martian dust storms had been known to last for years, and if it spread as far north as Noctis Labyrinthus they might not be able to get the plants in the ground this season. A cloud of dust swirled above the work site, where the rangers were working in teams of two. Ferdinand was handling the scanner, and Ruloff was digging the plants out of the ground. Ashok arrived shortly after lunch to watch. Nibanupudi Biotics, male plant, Ferdinand read off the scanner. Kristen Biotics, female plant. Ashok checked the number of Nibanupudi Biotics plants the rangers had found at that site, and compared it to the numbers from the previous year's audit. Gabriel Esparza was diligently avoiding the annoying owner of Nibanupudi Biotics. Ruloff was still reading from the scanner. Nibanu Pudi Biotics, female plant. Ashok put his comb back in his pocket. Guess I'll head back, Esparza. I've got business in Rotterdam. Gabriel glanced over to Ashok and muttered, Sounds good, you are needed here. Ashok chuckled returning to his bike, maybe I'm needed somewhere else then. Gabriel's looked back at Ashok somewhat confused, hopefully someone needs you for something. That wife of yours looked like she has some needs, Ashok said. Maybe I'll visit her. Ashok turned on his bike and lifted into the air, his bike quickly becoming a blurry blue streak back towards Rotterdam. Gabriel watched Ashok fly off for almost a minute before his surprise turned to anger, and then he grabbed a shovel and ran for his bike. Damn Ashok's in for it now. Ruloff said running for his Italica. It takes a lot to get Gabriel pissed off. I wondered if Ashok's ever been in a fight before. Let's go. Ferdinand yelled jumping onto his air bike. This is going to be good. By the time Ashok realized Gabriel was chasing him it was too late to outrun him. It was also too late to buy a faster bike. Gabriel's Italica had covered most of the ground between them in a couple minutes, and Ashok's imported and much more expensive Bajaj was designed for Earth's thicker atmosphere, and its turbofans couldn't propel it nearly as fast as the Italica Gabriel was riding. Gabriel pulled up alongside the Bajaj and thrust the shovel through one of the Bajaj's turbofans. It was a move commonly used back in the war, but rarely used since as it ruined the bike and often killed the rider. The turbofan's blades ripped off and the bike spun out of control, throwing Ashok, and then exploding when it hit the ground. Ashok's impact sent out a cloud of red dust, 
Luckily he didn't land on a rock. He staggered to his feet and pulled his gun, then stopped. Gabriel's bike was floating above him, and Gabriel's gun was aimed at him. Ashok had never been in a gunfight, and his gun was barely from the holster. Several other rangers also floated nearby. Ruloff, take his gun, Gabriel shouted over the sound from his Italica. I'm going to teach him a lesson in manners. What do you mean? Ashok snarled. You planning to shoot an unarmed man? No you son of a bitch, Gabriel replied harshly. I'm going to beat some manners into you with my bare fists. Ashok grinned, you want to go hand to hand with me? I'll kill you. Ruloff landed near Ashok and took the gun from his hand, then stepped back to his bike. Gabriel landed next to Ruloff and handed him his own gun before turning to Ashok. Ashok was the bigger man, not taller but muscular. Gabriel was a thin wiry man, and didn't look like he should be able to take Ashok. Ashok was smiling confidently, and then jumped at Gabriel. Ashok came fast lashing out with his left and catching Gabriel by surprise, but failed to knock him down. Gabriel moved in on Ashok and thrust a short open left into Ashok's abdomen. It jolted Ashok, but he jerked away and smashed both hands into Gabriel's respirator mask. Gabriel tried to duck a left, but caught a right. Then he closed in and threw Ashok with a body drop. Ashok came up fast and dived at Gabriel's knees and they both went down, and then they were up and fighting, throwing punches with everything they had. Ashok sprang close, swinging with both hands. The dust rose from around them in a thick cloud, and it became difficult to see the fight after a couple minutes. Neither man would back down and they fought bitterly and brutally at close quarters. Blood trickled from a cut in his forehead where the mask had been smashed against his head, leaving the taste of blood in his mouth. Gabriel set his feet and slammed a right fist into Ashok's solar plexus. Ashok was winded and knocked back a few feet, and Gabriel moved in throwing his right and his left. Ashok's hands came down and Gabriel lunged, swinging high and hard with both fists. Ashok went down into the dust and rolled over. Ashok staggered to his feet and stood there weaving, then he suddenly lunged. Gabriel met him with a stiff left, followed by a right. It caught Ashok above the ear, and he fell to his knees, his head spinning. Gabriel moved in, and pulled Ashok to his feet, and holding him with his left, struck him twice in the solar plexus, and then three shots right in the respirator mask. Then he shoved the man backwards, and Ashok staggered and fell back into the dust. Gabriel walked back to his bike and leaned against it for a minute before climbing onto it. It's time to get back to work, he said to the rangers, and then turned back to Ashok. And don't talk about my wife again. You better go back to the base camp and clean up, Ruloff suggested looking at Gabriel's mask. You've got a lot of blood in there. Ashok was still laying on his back, and Ferdaron motioned at him. Should we help him back to Rotterdam? Let him walk, Ruloff said. After he showered and sprayed a simskin bandage on his forehead, Gabriel's mind returned to their situation. It was a mistake to let Ashok goad him into a fight. He was probably going to charge Gabriel with assault. But Ashok was not his problem. He knew that although Rasion and Jessica had been working with someone, probably Elias Group, and possibly with Ali, which led back to Areola Biotics. He needed to find evidence, something concrete. He got a coffee and went to the airship's cockpit, he dropped to a seat that gave him a view of the chasma. Ferdaron and Ruloff had a good idea, to watch the worksite at night. Cecilia might even be in on it, but Gabriel still couldn't bring himself to accept that. He also couldn't accept that Elias could be the mastermind in any scheme, he just didn't seem smart enough. Ferdaron had suggested that Ashok didn't always return to Rotterdam when he left their worksite. If not, where did he go? A place somewhere in the chasma? Or was he injecting the plants with a masking agent himself? 
Gabriel decided to return to the worksite, and Ruloff waved him over as he approached. Ruan and Filbert say they didn't find much at the site they worked in that canyon to the southwest, Ruloff reported. Also, Ruan saw Cecilia Ariola down there. Cecilia? In the canyon? Gabriel repeated. What was she doing? Did Ruan talk to her? No, she found a few more areola plants and was bringing them back when she saw her. She said she was deep down into the canyon, beyond where they were working. When? Right after you kicked the shit out of Ashok. She's probably still down there because we heard a shot from down that way about an hour ago. A shot? Sonic? Yeah, Ruloff nodded. Want me to ride down and have a look? Yeah, I think I'll ride down there, you come along. Furderon mentioned your confrontation with Elias, and then Ali. Figure they're in on whatever this is? Could be, Gabriel shrugged. Jessica and Adoracion weren't working alone. The ground was silty brown dust as they crossed the chasma floor, a seafloor that had been dry for half a billion years. The canyon was carved into the chasma's southern face. There was a lake near the mouth of the canyon where Filbert was still scanning plants. Did you see Cecilia here? Gabriel demanded. No. Ruan said she saw her near the end of the canyon, but I didn't see her pass by here, Filbert answered. I heard a shot from down the canyon about an hour ago, so she's probably still there. Take the plants you've collected back to the base camp then come find us, Gabriel ordered. Gabriel Esparza's dark brown eyes swept the canyon before them. It was over five kilometers deep, and they couldn't see the end, finding a single person wouldn't be easy. Nevertheless if Cecilia did come here, she had a reason. The wind was picking up, gusts of dust were blowing through the canyon. Gabriel knew they were running out of time, at best they could spend another week in the Hebe's chasma. If the storm kept rising they have to leave sooner. They found the small lake Ruan had worked earlier, and headed farther back into the canyon, hugging the ground as there were no plants anywhere else. Wait a minute. Gabriel raised his right hand in a fist and then pointed. There's something over here. He flew his bike over to the black object laying on the ground. It's a body. He landed the Italica and dropped to the ground. He rolled the body over and looked down into the respirator mask, and recognized Cecilia Ariola. Someone had burned two holes into her with a laser gun. Gabriel checked for signs of life but the body was already cooling. Dead. Damn, she was one of the good ones. What's this? Ruloff asked after joining Gabriel, there were several items laying around Cecilia's body. A hand scanner, and a jet injector. She was injecting a masking agent. Gabriel scowled. There are no plants around here. He looked around but there was nothing in the area except a sonic blaster laying in the dirt, and Cecilia's footprints leading into a gorge. Let's see where her footprints lead. You have to admit it looks suspicious, Ruloff said. Why is she out here with a jet injector if she isn't masking the biomarkers? Gabriel looked around thoughtfully, whoever shot her could have left the injector here to incriminate her. They followed the footprints for a few minutes up the gorge to where Cecilia's bike was parked. It was the end of the footprints, and there were still no plants. They walked back to the body. Gabriel examined the way the body had fallen. There were no other footprints, and Cecilia's footprints hadn't been disturbed, so whoever shot her had been a ways off, and her sonic blaster would have been useless. He looked around at the gorge walls, and could only spot one place that would be a good vantage point for a sniper. Ruloff, take Cecilia's body back to the base camp, he said, and started towards the potential sniper nest. You think this was murder? Roelof asked. If it was, we'd better find out who did it. She had a lot of friends in Rotterdam. Who had the opportunity? Filbert, of course. 
and Ruan too. Both of them had been working in the canyon. But it made no sense for either of them to kill Cecilia. Someone else must have been in the area, and somehow they had to be connected to Ali, Elias, Jessica, and Adoracion. Gabriel climbed his way up the canyon wall. He'd climbed rock walls before and this one wasn't particularly difficult. From the suspected sniper nest, he could see where Cecilia's body had been laying. He looked around, and behind the rocky ledge was a larger sand-covered ledge, with traces of footprints partially blown away by a bike taking off. There was nothing else, so he climbed back down. Filbert met him on the way back to his bike. Find anything interesting? Tracks. Looks like someone sniped her. Did it from up high, but that doesn't tell us anything. It does tell you something, Filbert disagreed. It tells you that whoever killed her was probably following her. Nobody comes out here by accident, and two people out here coincidentally, one with a reason to snipe the other? No way that's by chance. You're probably right, Gabriel agreed as they arrived back at the bikes. The thing is, the sniper had a reason, and that's what we've got to figure out. The sniper must have seen Cecilia down here, shot her, and I guess dropped the jet injector as he flew out. Well, the sniper wasn't up there poaching plants, there wouldn't be any up there, Felbert stated. I'll never believe Cecilia was using a biomasker, but it does look like she was, being found with the injector the way she was. It had to be something else. She was out here. Maybe she was auditing plants in the canyon, and then came up the gorge to see if there were any plants in it, Gabriel thought out loud. Filbert agreed dubiously. Could be. But what was she looking for? Ferdinand flew up as they stood at the bikes discussing the situation. There's a crowd forming at the base camp. The sheriff's there too. The sheriff? Already? Gabriel shrugged. The law always gets there faster when you don't want it. All right, I'll head back. Ashok was at the base camp when they got back, talking to Farah Tib and the Rotterdam Sheriff Ria Van Amersvoort. Gabriel glanced quickly at Farah, but she was looking a different direction and he couldn't get her attention. Others had also arrived at the base camp including Elias Chadima and Ali. Justine was nowhere to be seen. Most of the rangers were also back at the base camp, performing general maintenance. Gabriel knew it was busy work, but he was glad to see they knew enough to keep an eye on the situation. Hola, Gabriel said walking up to Farah and the sheriff. What's the situation, sheriff? Well that depends on who killed Cecilia Ariola, Sheriff Van Amersvoort stated. That's what I've been trying to figure out. Gabriel answered. We heard a shot, and when we found her she was dead. Two laser burns through the torso. Look like sniper shots from around 120 meters away. Sheriff Van Amersvoort paused to consider, then asked. You had a very public disagreement with her in town. A disagreement yes, but that's all, Gabriel stated. We're old friends, and it was nothing serious. There is a discrepancy between the number of plants we bought and number we're finding in the chasma. Then what happened between you and Cecilia? Van Amersvoort eyed him cautiously. Gabriel met her eyes and shrugged. We discussed the audits for a couple hours, then went our separate ways. I didn't see Cecilia again until we found her dead. We also found a scanner and a jet injector laying next to her, Ruloff added. Van Amersvoort glanced at Ruloff, then back at Gabriel. The murderer could have planted the jet injector, or you could have. I could have, but I didn't, Gabriel stated. I never knew Cecilia to be dishonest in my life, so I suspect the sniper planted it. You're telling us you and Cecilia parted on good terms the other night? Ashok demanded, you had 15,000 missing plants and you parted on good terms? Gabriel glanced at Ashok, and then turned back to the sheriff. How's he involved in this sheriff? 
It's fairly obvious we don't like each other, so why is he here? I'm a witness, a show announced proudly. I'll saw you two arguing the other night. Want me to get rid of him? Ferdinand asked. I'm assuming authority here, the sheriff stated, and looked over at Ferdinand. I'll let you know if I want you to get rid of anyone. Ferdinand straightened up. Captain Esparza is my CO. I don't take orders from you. You putting up with that sheriff? Elias demanded. There have been at least three murders out here. Although Racion and Jessica are both dead as well, thrown out in the dirt like garbage. Did these rangers even report that to you? Yes there is that. Who shot although Racion and Jessica? The sheriff inquired calmly. Gabriel decided he liked the woman. Obviously, Sheriff Van Amersvoort wasn't going to be rushed to a conclusion by Elias. There was a gunfight, Gabriel answered. I accused Jessica of leaving the base camp at night. Although Racion interfered, and when I called her on it, she went for her gun. I tried to stop them, but couldn't, so they fell. I was their sheriff, Felbert announced. They drew first. It was self-defense. What about the missing plants? Sheriff Van Amersvoort asked. Have you found them yet? I expect we did, Gabriel bluffed, and his eyes swung over to Locke with Ashok's. I expect we've found them all right. The expression in Ashok's eyes said it all, Gabriel knew he had guessed right. Ashok was the brains behind this thing, now Gabriel just had to figure out the rest of it, whatever it was. We've got 15,000 missing plants sheriff, Gabriel stated. Poachers might steal a few dozen, ship them off to private buyers as novelties, but 15,000? Only a government would buy that bulk so the plants can't have been taken by poachers. Sheriff, Fartib interrupted. Have you had many issues with poachers in the Kesma? Yes, but not 15,000 plants worth. Maybe a dozen or so plants disappear in a season, and like Gabriel said, we expect they're going to private buyers, the sheriff answered. If the plants weren't taken by poachers then they're still in the ground, Farah continued. Gabriel did you find any unmarked plants? No, every plant has a biomarker. Gabriel answered. We thought it was a bit odd. There should be some first gen still in the ground. Then the masking agent is disguising the areola plants to look like another biomarker, Farah continued rationally. I noticed that you just registered a new biomarker earlier this season Mr. Nibanupudi. What was wrong with your existing biomarker? Gabriel glanced at Ashok as Farah had turned her attention to him, and saw the man flinch when Farah mentioned that second biomarker. His head jerked around to look at Farah with rage in his eyes, which quickly turned to terror as he looked over to the sheriff. A second biomarker? Sheriff Van Amersvoort asked frowning. Why do you need a second biomarker? And how did you get 20,000 plants into the ground already using this new biomarker? Farah continued. I checked with the registry office in Nueva Buenos Aires. He's placed an estimate of 20,000 plants for this year's audit using this new biomarker. Are you accusing me of capitalism? Ashok demanded condescendingly. Then he looked back at the sheriff. You can see through this sheriff. These rangers are a bunch of capitalists. Gabriel was a desert ranger here last year and inflated the number so Cecilia would get overpaid for her plants. They are conspiring to blame me for all this. Gabriel is a known sniper, and all of his crew are ex-military. And they all work for Ms. Tib. Any one of them could have shot Cecilia. Van Amersvoort continued to stare at Ashok without responding to anything he said and then repeated her question. Why do you need a second biomarker? Ashok's eyes shifted, and then he sputtered out, I need a second marker, because, ah, uh, I'm planning ahead, yes, to sell the plants in batches. That's what I'm doing. Just good business sense. When did you plant these new seedlings? The sheriff asked. 
Earlier this season, a show cancelled. About a month ago. Van Amersvoort continued to calmly stare at Ashok, you managed to plant 20,000 seedlings in the last month without anyone noticing? That doesn't sound too likely. I had a lucky season, Ashok argued. It happens sometimes. You registered the estimate when you registered the biomarker, Far interjected. You knew ahead of time you would have this good luck. The whole thing sounds unlikely, Sheriff Van Amersvoort observed. How's about you tell me where you were this afternoon? Hold up Sheriff, Elias Medina protested. Just because this scientist thinks Ashok is a capitalist, it doesn't follow that Cecilia did. How would she know about this second biomarker? Cecilia wasn't an idiot, and she knew her business, the sheriff observed. If this scientist can find out Ashok has a second biomarker, I'm positive that Cecilia could. Ashok was sweating under his respirator mask. This doesn't prove anything. All you have is conjecture. Having a second biomarker isn't illegal, and neither is having good luck. Elias Medina had moved close to Ashok, while Chadima had moved toward her bike. A slight movement by Ali Rodriguez drew Gabriel's attention, and he saw that the former Sudamerican soldier was moving toward his bike, where his rifle was mounted. Gabriel Esparza shifted his position so he had both Elias and Ashok in view. Glancing around he noticed that most of the rangers were alert to the changing scene. Only the sheriff and Farah seemed unaware of what was about to happen. Farah, get ready to drop, Gabriel whispered. It's about to go down. He had whispered, but he noticed the sheriff's subtle reaction. The sheriff's body shifted slightly as her eyes shifted from Ashok toward Ali, and then to Elias. Ashok drew first, quickly, but Gabriel was faster. Even as Ashok's gun started to lift, Gabriel's laser bolt burned through Ashok, and seconds later he crumpled to the ground. Gabriel was swinging his gun around towards Elias when a laser bolt burned through him as well, fired by Ferdaron. He turned just in time to see Ali Rodriguez fall as well, the sheriff had dropped him. Chadima was on a bike and gone as soon as the fighting had started, leaving everyone else standing in a cloud of dust. Gabriel Esparza holstered his gun and then grabbed for support. Something was wrong. He realized he had been shot. It must have been Ali before the sheriff shot him. Far rushed to Gabriel's side. Mpendwa? You've been shot. Just a little, he put his hand on her shoulder and grinned, looks like a flesh wound. He woke up several days later in the Rotterdam Medical Clinic. Ali's laser had ruptured an artery causing Gabriel to bleed out rapidly in the thin Martian atmosphere. While he was unconsciousness Sheriff Van Amersvoort had determined that Ashok's 20,000 new plants were all areola plants with a masking agent distorting the biomarker, and the rangers had started harvesting the plants. The dust storm to the south was expanding, and Gabriel ordered half of the rangers to stay in the chasma under Ferdaron's command, to complete the plant collection while he took the other half of the rangers to southeast to Noctis Labyrinthus to begin the planting their new biome.